0: Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome to my sermon podcast. It's good to be with you again. We are starting a new sermon series here at uh, our church called Full Disclosure, and I'll talk about that in a second. But before we get into that, I want to read the passage that we'll be focusing on today. This comes from the book of Romans, chapter 7, verses 9 through 25. Hear these words. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. And the very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity in the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and just as good. Did what is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin working death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold into slavery under sin. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is, in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good what I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God and my own most self. But I see in my members another war, law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with my mind I am a slave to the law of God, but with my flesh I am a slave to the law of sin. May God's blessing be in the reading and living out of this word. <laughs> So uh, I'm going to show a couple of slides in my, uh, at worship at our church when I start off this sermon, and I'll put this on the uh, Podbean page. Um, I'll show a couple of pictures. One is this kind of big landscape, and I'll ask folks what it is. And my guess is probably a lot of people won't know that it's actually a picture of North Korea. Some of you know, a few weeks ago, my wife and I went to South Korea to Seoul, on a trip with other church folks, but we also spent a day and drove up to the uh, demilitarized zone in Korea. And you got to a point where you could look through these uh, massive uh, binoculars to see uh, and look across the border and see North Korea. And then I'll also show a picture of lots of people with these uh, giant binoculars. I'm not sure what the exact name is, but I think you've you've always seen it when you go to some kind of scenic overlook and uh, you want to see in f- to the far distance. And so all these people were looking uh, through these magnifying devices so they could look, get a closer look uh, at North Korea. It was an interesting experience because you hear and read so much about North Korea. And so you hear you actually have the opportunity to look beyond the boundaries, look beyond the border. And there's a, a little bit of a sense of uh, uh, fear perhaps Uh, fascination, like what exactly is beyond all that you read about and hear about. And I think it's often easier for us, and perhaps more fun, to look across at someone else's boundaries, to look through these giant magnifying devices. And it didn't take much for me to reflect on as we start this new sermon series, when we talk about uh, confession and looking at self. And I thought, gosh, it's a lot easier to look at over somebody else's boundaries than it is to look at our own. But that's what we want to explore in this sermon series, to look at what does it mean to confess. And whenever we talk about confession, of course, we also have to talk about sin. But depending on your background, confession have, can have lots of different connotations. Um, certainly if you grew up Catholic, uh, people will talk uh, about experiences they may have had of going to confession or confessing something. A pastor or a pr- priest friend of mine a monk who once was also a priest, would talk sometimes about hearing confession and he he confessed to me that sometimes the confessions were somewhat boring, but that confession in the in the Catholic tradition can conjure up certain uh, things in someone 's faith or mind if you grew up in a more conservative uh, evangelical background, you may have this image of confession of a fire and brimstone preacher yelling, practically yelling at people to confess their sins because you never know when Satan is close at hand or whenever you might die and will you spend eternity in hell or heaven. If you had no church background, maybe your only sense of confession is reality shows, people just kind of spilling their guts to strangers or to a public audience. Or if you grew up in a more progressive church tradition, what we sometimes call the mainline church, uh, you may say, well, we didn't talk about confession at all. Sometimes that's a criticism of the mainline church, and at times we've heard that about urban villages. Well, they don't talk about sin. There's no talk of confession. And I'd like to think that we do talk about those things, but we wanted to spend some time in reflecting on it a little more deeply. So as I noted, when we talk about confession, we also have to talk a little bit about sin and As I've talked about sin in the past, I've talked about it in different ways. I've mentioned in groups and in sermons that uh, perhaps the most common Hebrew word in the Old Testament for sin is a word called chata'ah, which means to miss the mark. Sin is also divine in lots of different ways. The uh, theologian and uh, Anglican priest N.T. Wright talks about sin as a force opposed to God's creation. Here's a quote. He said, sin is bent on spoiling the world God made. The humans reflect his image, and the chosen people called to be the agents of redemption, a force opposed to God's creation, bent on spoiling the word God made, world God made. I was also reminded this week of another way of describing sin. Uh, this is by an author named Francis Spofford, and he came up with uh, a way of interesting way of describing it. He said, "This is the sin is the human propensity to f things up," and of course, he doesn't use the word f or just the letter F, it goes into the word that I'm sure you can't imagine. So there is this force, this something that compels us to do and to act in ways that are opposed to what God desires for us. And Paul, in this passage from Romans, kind of highlights this. Verse 15, he says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, it's important to note there are scholars disagree about what Paul is talking about here. Some A few say that Paul is talking about himself, like Paul is talking about his own actions. Others say actually Paul is speaking for larger groups of people. So one scholar talked about that Paul is actually speaking on behalf of Israel, that when Paul is talking about the first person, he's really talking about that Israel is the one that is doing the things that they don't want, or just general humanity uh, before the fall in Genesis, Um, or I should say after the fall in Genesis, this is humanity. We do not do the things that we want, but we do the things that we hate. But I think we can all relate to, sometimes we just, we can't explain it, but we just are compelled to do something that in our minds know we're not supposed to, and yet something just moves us to do so. I laughed this week. Our director of discipleship, Aaron James Brown, posted a picture of her dog, Walter, and Aaron had just made uh, 48 cookies and had laid them out on our counter to cool, And she noted and put a picture up on the internet, this is Walter after having eaten 47 of those 48 cookies. And I think we can perhaps laugh at dogs thinking, oh, dogs, they just can't control themselves, can they? But if we're honest with ourselves, we realize that, we are not too far removed from the same thing ourselves. Like we know we shouldn't do this, but yet it just is so tempting and I have to go and continue to do these things. So in reflecting on this, reflecting on sin and talking about confession, I think it's important for us to think about confession not just as something that we go and say to a pastor or a priest, and not even just something that we do to God, but first that we confess to ourselves, that we do some real self-reflection and confession. There's a really great quote from uh, another scholar named Carl Holliday, who's a professor of New Testament at Emory University. And in reflecting particularly on this passage, he says that the force of Paul's remarks here is clear. We cannot explain... Our moral dilemma by harping on the deficiencies of the law, the place to begin is with honest introspection, with a true understanding of the human self. The place for confession is to do honest introspection, a true understanding of the human self that we, in a sense, confess to ourselves, that we look inside. And when we do this, I think two things happen, two things that are helpful for us. One is, when we decide to do this self-reflection, when we decide to confess, when we try to look deep into our hearts and begin to explore why do we do the things that we would rather not do? Why does sin have a hold on us? When we do that and we make a decision that this is not what we decide to do, we stake claims, we make boundaries. So Paul, here in this passage of Romans, talks about the law, that the law itself is not a bad thing. And here Paul is talking about the Torah, or for us, In the Christian tradition, these are the first five books of the Old Testament. This is what Paul is talking about here. For him, this is the law. This is the boundaries that he has set for himself. Others may have talked about other, we talk about the Ten Commandments, like these are the things that I don't want to break. Or maybe we go by what Jesus said. Jesus said the greatest commandments are these. In Matthew, Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, Jesus says, hang all the laws and the prophets. When we confess, when we do this honest introspection, we set boundaries for ourselves. We say, here I stand. I do not want to go past these borders. I do not want to go past these boundaries. I have staked a claim. I buy into what Jesus is saying here. I do not want to, or rather, I want to love God with all that I have. And when I go beyond that, when I go beyond that claim that I have staked, then I know something is off. You may know or have had experience maybe growing up if you did car trips with brothers or sisters or maybe you shared a room with their brothers or sister and they have those imaginary lines that you set for yourselves and you may think, well, this is what it means to, to, set, to set boundaries, to stake claims. But the, the problem sometimes is that when we do that and you have these memories where you, you're looking an awful lot at how this other person is crossing those boundaries and you don't do any reflection at all on how am I doing that too? Confession, honest introspection begins to do that. We state claims for ourselves. We say, This is my boundary. This is the law. And this is good, loving God with all that I am, loving neighbor as self. This is where we are. And when we make that decision that we want to do this kind of confession, we want to come out or confess to self, we have to state claims. What does that mean? What are the boundaries that we set for ourselves? And the second thing that happens when we do that honest introspection is that we realize that the boundaries themselves don't save us. And we also realize that we cannot save ourselves. Only Jesus can do that. Paul talks about that. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. When we set these boundaries for ourselves, when we confess to ourselves too and reflect on, I have this human propensity to mess things up in my life. And if we're honest, if we're truly honest with ourselves and do that kind of work, that confession to self, we realize I cannot save myself. Every night I go through a process of what's called an examine where I reflect on my day and reflect on the gratitude that I have and reflect on... um, the joy that I had reflecting the ways God is speaking to me, but also I reflect on how did I, how have I fallen short? How have I sinned today? What has my, been my propensity to mess things up in my own life? And when I do that, I realize I cannot save myself. The boundaries that I've set for myself, they cannot save me either. Only Jesus can do that. And when I confess that, when I lift that up, there is a freedom and a letting go that happens. Whenever we do this kind of, sermon or whenever I talk about these things, certainly I am reminded of people who talk about recovery groups and the, and the help that recovery groups have had for so many in their lives. And for some 12-step 12, 12 program, step four talks about making a, a, a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. And then step 10 says this, that we continue to make a personal inventory and when we were wrong, we promptly admit it that we do this kind of honest introspection. And by doing so, that allows us to let go and to be free and to realize we can't save ourselves. Jesus does that. And confession is a healthy reminder of that too. We don't want confession to get into where we are only judging ourselves by the boundaries that we've crossed. We don't define ourselves only by that. We define ourselves as being freed through Christ. And I think, I'd like to also think that there is a, a bit of a propensity for ourselves, not only to mess things up, but a propensity to, to open up in this way, too, and to do this kind of introspection. About three years ago, my wife and I went to a play at the Steppenwolf Theater called Russian Transport, and part of that was talking about secrets. And they did an interesting thing in the lobby they put this huge bulletin board and at the top of this bulletin board, it just said simply tonight's secrets and what are you hiding? And it gave opportunity uh, a chance to take a look at these things uh, or to, to, to take these blank sheets of paper and to confess publicly. Now they don't think many people wrote their names on it, but it gave people the opportunity to just, what's your, what are you hiding? What's your secret in a sense? What are you wanting to confess tonight? And the board was just this mass of people writing things down and putting them up there. Now, again, I don't think anybody actually put their name on it. That wasn't the purpose. It wasn't a kind of public confession. It was instead encouraging people to take a look at what are your secrets? What are the things that you are hiding? What are the things that you want to unload and unburden yourself? And it ranged from all kinds of things. So here are some examples. My neighbors secretly have a dog in our pet-free building. I am thinking of telling the super because I don't like them. I like the dog, though. I spilled a glass of red wine under my seat in the theater, someone wrote. And then someone else saw that, and they added something to it, saying, me too. Someone said, I once gave an F to an A student, and I liked it. Someone wrote, I'm lying to my wife, I'm gay. And someone wrote, sometimes I hate my husband. All of these different things, people writing this down and going through this process of this honest introspection. And I would encourage you to begin to think about what might be a habit, a holy habit that you can begin to do. You may want to do something like I do with an exam and at the end of the day really reflect on uh, what, how, how have you done? If you have created your, your own uh, boundaries, you have staked your own claim, if you are saying that I, I buy into what Jesus is saying, like these are the greatest commandments. And we ask ourselves the question, have I loved God with all my heart, mind, and soul today? Have I loved my neighbor as myself? Have I loved myself? And we go through this process, and when we realize that, I would say most days, probably we say, no, I have not. And then we lift that up to God, and we remember that, thankfully, I don't have to save myself. And we release that in worship this week. I'm handing these rocks out to people. I'm going to invite them to write on these rocks Uh, something that they want to confess or to at least begin the process of what is it in my own heart that I want to to name and to write down on this rock and then we'll have people the opportunity to drop these uh, in a vase of water or they may want to hold on to it and maybe every day go through a, a ritual of sorts of dropping it letting it go saying this is what it is I'm going to name this I'm going to go through the process of naming it and really reflecting in my own life Remembering that the I have stake to claim in my life, and then letting it go and dropping it and saying this i this I confess, I think it helps us in our own journey of faith when we do these things, and I would encourage you to, to think about this in your own life too. We all have that propensity <laughs> to mess things up in our lives, but I think we also have the propensity to really look at ourselves too, and then to begin to look at our relationship with God. And we realize that as titillating as it can be to look through the big binoculars at some others, we also want to do that for ourselves and realize that that can be a healthy thing for our own faith lives too. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening to this podcast. And uh, as always, you can... Uh, reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Christian Kuhn. And email is at Chris at Urban Village org. Uh, I have been making this promise so many times this week. This week, darn it, I am going to finally be releasing my podcast called Failing Boldly in relation to my uh, own podcast, or to my book, sorry, to my book Failing Boldly that is coming out. Uh, I also have a new website christiankunon.com and so you can find the podcast there and hopefully i'll be able to uh, put this up on iTunes too but first go to the web my website and I'm sure you'll be able to find the podcasts there so friends until uh, next time may the peace of Christ be with you and thou my true I